Hi, I'm Pastor Dallas Billington, Senior Pastor here at City Church, and we want to welcome you today to our services. We hope that no matter what you're facing in life, that through the message today, through God's Word, He will truly encourage your heart. Let's open in prayer. Lord, we thank you today, Lord, that we can be in your house, Lord. We can worship you today, God, and as we open your Word, Lord, I pray that, Lord, we can see your blessings, Lord. In the light of your love, in your precious name, amen. If, uh, if everyone can go ahead and read, uh, Jim, go ahead and put that on the screen. If you could read this together with me. Uh, Jim, it's a little out of focus there. Could you work on that, bring that in focus? Thank you, thank you. Let's go ahead and read that aloud. Adjust your focus, right? I seen uh, some people, they were checking their glasses thinking, something's not right here. Yeah, a little bit out of focus. A little hard to read, isn't it, when it's out of focus like that? You know, focus is an incredibly powerful thing, isn't it? It's really so powerful when you think about it. When you think of those, the great athletes of the world and how they're able to focus on one event, on one game, and do incredible things. We see people in our world who focus on doing evil. We see that now. It's what's happening in Ukraine where a dictator has invaded and his focus is on, on doing evil to these people in this country. But on the flip side of that, we also see people focused on good. We see people in Poland and Romania and Moldova that are turning their lives upside down to take people in and help them. Because their focus is on good. Same war, but yet different focuses. What we focus on in our lives will drive our motivation. That thing you're focused on, it'll drive, it'll motivate you. And eventually it'll define your life and who you are. So many people in life, they live their life out of focus. They don't see clearly, just like the, the screen, they don't see clearly something that's right in front of them. We look at a king today in 2 Samuel chapter 11 who was focused on destructive things until he had to adjust his focus. 2 Samuel chapter 11 verses 1 through 5. It says, And it came to pass after the year was expired at the times when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in the evening tide that David arose out of his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman and said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her. And she came in unto him and lay, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanliness, and she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David, I am with child. So David, the great king, the great military man, the great general, 
decided that instead of being with the troops, which was traditional, that he was going to stay back at Jerusalem. He was just going to stay at the palace. He was going to, to do what he wanted to do. Very unusual for David. He was a man who was a great warrior. He wanted to be there with his troops. But something's going on in David's life. And so he decides he's going to stay back at the palace. And as he's doing that, he ends up having an affair with this lady named Bathsheba who was married to one of David's warriors. And not only had an affair, but Bathsheba becomes pregnant. And we see that David's life now is out of focus. He was doing what he wanted to do. He was being selfish. And he was living in denial. You know, sometimes with our eyesight and hearing, we're a little bit in denial, aren't we? I'm sure that uh, when some of you looked at that screen, you thought, I could probably read that. <laughs> you know, I, I know sometimes, it, it, and I used to see my dad do this, and now I do it. You know, I'm thinking, I, I still see pretty good. <laughs> hey, I'm okay. It's, it's fine. It's all right. But then what happens is we, we go to the doctor and the doctor says, well, you're out of, you're out of whack. You, you need to get a better prescription. And, and then you get that prescription and you realize, oh, wait a second. Man, I was really out of, I didn't realize how out of focus I was. And that was what was going on in David's life. David was so out of focus. And when you're out of focus like David was, you don't see things clearly. You tell yourself that things are just fine. When you're out of focus, you're really living in denial. Many times, like our eyesight, we want to think, nothing's really wrong. I'm, I'm okay. But when you're making bad decisions and your decisions are clouded, you're not fine. There's something wrong. Now, if David had been the man that he was years before, the man that the Bible says was after God's own heart, the man who defeated Goliath, the man in faith who took on Saul, that man was in focus. And if he'd have been in the same situation None of this would have happened because he would have been where he was supposed to be with the troops on the front line. He wouldn't be living his life out of focus because when he was where he was supposed to be, he was in focus with God's purpose for his life. When our lives are out of focus on God or they're out of focus on the things that are good, what happens is, is the things we focus on are the things that's going to lead us into serious trouble. You know, I tell uh, the kids I work with all the time, I think they get sick of hearing it sometimes. They always joke with me. But what I always tell them, I'm like, you know those friends that you're hanging out with that you know you shouldn't be? Those friends that are leading you down the wrong directions? Those friends, they'll lead you down the wrong direction. They'll lead you to the wrong place. And they'll leave you there alone. Maybe that coworker, maybe that habit of drugs or alcohol that's in your life right now, it'll lead you down the wrong path. It'll lead you to the wrong place. And eventually it'll lead you there and leave you there all alone. So the question today that we have to ask ourselves is, am I in focus? Am I truly in focus? And that really begs another question. Well, how's your relationship with God? Because if you're close to God, if your relationship with God is strong, what will happen is, is you're constantly being refocused. If you're in his word and you're seeking him, then what will happen is, is when you start to get off a little bit, you'll realize it and you'll get back in focus. 
You'll never let yourself do as David did and let yourself go down that wrong path so long that you don't even realize that something is wrong. David was looking at life blind. You know, when we're not focused on God, we're going through life blind. We're going through life really in darkness. I remember uh, when I was in my early 20s, Pastor Dallas came to me and he said, there's an elderly gentleman at the, at the church and his family's coming in tomorrow, but he's had a lot of health issues and he's went through a recent uh, health problem. Uh, could you and maybe somebody go over there and spend the night and just to take care of him? I said, sure. So we went over and uh, got him all settled and everything. And we said, well, we'll just go down in the living room, sleep on the couches. You know, here we are in the, our 20s. Now, if I did that, I would never be able to get off the couch. But, you know, here you are in your early 20s, we're sleeping on the couches. Well, he had had all of the drapes pulled shut, no outside lights. So, middle of the night, I get up and I'm trying to navigate my way through the living room. Well, I wasn't really familiar with the house. I couldn't see anything. And I'm running into everything. I'm hitting the end table. I'm hitting the coffee table. I nearly knocked the lamp down. And I'm thinking... There's a lot of dangers here. And we've all done that. Either a hotel room or whatever, you're not really sure about your surroundings. You end up running into the wall or something. When we're in darkness and we're walking in darkness, we don't see all the dangers in front of us. We don't see that crater in front of us. We don't see the traps in front of us. But see, when we refocus to God and where we're supposed to be, it's like turning on the light. When you turn on a light, you can see everything in the room. It's so clear in front of us. You can see all the dangers that are in front of us because we've allowed ourselves to refocus, to adjust our focus, and not to run into those problems. So what does David do here? He sinned. He's messed up. Does David repent? No, unfortunately, it gets worse. In verse 14, our story goes on. It says, And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and then retire from him that he may be smitten and die. And it came to pass that Joab observed the city that he assigned Uriah unto the place where he knew that valiant men were. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab. And there fell some of the people of the servants of David. And Uriah the Hittite died also. Uriah was a faithful, faithful servant of David. If you read the accounts of Uriah, you can see he had unwavering loyalty to David and to Israel. He was a great warrior. But David decided in his, in being so out of focus and making all of these bad decisions, he decided that he had a plan. He orders Uriah to the front line so that Uriah would be killed. That way he could have Bathsheba all to himself. Now you may ask yourself, you, you said, well, this was David, the man that you said was after God's own heart, the man who did so many great things for Israel. The man had had such incredible faith. How in the world could David do something like this? In your life, never think that you're so close to God that you can't fall. 
Never think that I'm so spiritual and I'm in such a place to where the devil can't get to me. It doesn't matter where we are in our life. We have to guard our heart. We have to guard our mind. Because Satan is constantly looking to destroy us. He's constantly looking to come after us. When your focus is out of line, you're in danger like David was of falling into the wrong things. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? If we don't adjust our focus, we continue to make the same mistakes over and over. You know, I've known a lot of people in my life who make the same mistakes over and over and over. You know them too. And sometimes you're amazed. You're thinking, how in the world do they keep making the same mistakes but it's so clear when you're on the outside and you're, you're in focus, it's so clear what they're doing and how they're harming themselves. But to them, they don't see it. They don't see it because they think in their own life that they're okay. They say, I know exactly what I'm, I'm in control of this. I'm sure David said the same thing. I'm sure David went on and thought, I've got all this handled. I'm the king. And guess what? All my problems have been taken care of. Now I got what I want, and life goes on, right? If we don't adjust our focus, we keep making those same mistakes over and over. But you know what? Those mistakes aren't hidden. In Numbers chapter 32, verse 23, it says, But if ye will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin." We'll find you out. We see this echoed in Luke chapter 8 and verse 17. It says, For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. You know, hidden sin isn't hidden, is it? God knows what's going on. You know what's going on. The people involved know what's going on. David couldn't hide from himself. David couldn't hide from God. As much as he tried to talk himself into that, as much as he tried to believe that, David's sin could not stay hidden. You know, one of the, I love dogs and I, I find them hilarious sometimes. And I always love on, on YouTube, they've got those guilty dog videos. I don't know if you ever watched those. Those are hilarious. So, You'll see these dogs and the owner's filming them and, and they get into something they shouldn't. They tore the couch apart and there's stuff all over the floor. They, they get in the pantry and they rip the potato chips open and there's chips laying everywhere and the dog's in the middle of it. And you'll see the owner come in and they'll look and they say, what have you done? And the dog's expression is priceless. The one went and hid behind the curtain. You know, a lot of them, they just, they put their head down and they, they know that they've been caught, Right? Because the evidence is right in front of them. There's nobody else they can blame. For David, David's sin was right in front of him. No matter how much time passed, no matter what he did, it was right there in front of him. And so God sends the prophet Nathan to refocus David. You know, when we're out of focus, sometimes it takes God sending somebody into our life. Or it takes an event 
that makes us realize we're out of focus. It's that friend who comes to us, and that friend that comes to us in, in the right spirit, not in, a, not in a wrong way, but they come to us and they say, you know what you're doing in your life? You've got to straighten up. Things aren't working for you. You've got to change. Or it's that event that comes into our life that just jolts us awake, and we realize what we're doing. It's just not working. So David gets woken up. 2 Samuel chapter 12. I remember a number of years ago, I went to bed and it was probably 12, 1230. I'm dead asleep. And all of a sudden, the smoke alarm decides that it's going to go off. And we apparently bought the loudest smoke alarm on the market. And of course, it was right above the bed. And this thing goes off, and I thought it was the rapture or something happening. And I jump out of bed, and Joy didn't seem to be as rattled as I was. But I ran to the door, and I checked the door, and I thought, i got to check Travis. So I ran upstairs, and I get upstairs, and Travis, he's coming out of his room. He's half asleep, and he doesn't seem to be that, that urgent either. He's just kind of walking down the hall like this. I'm running around like a crazy man, thinking the house is on fire, checking everything. And I run up to Travis. And I said, Travis, I said, is something on fire? And he just kind of looks at me like this. And he says, I don't think so, Dad. <laughs> he just keeps walking. So I go and I check everything, and there was no fire. Got, this, got the smoke alarm under control. Then I get back to bed, and I'm sitting there thinking, is this thing going to go off again? And it rattled me so much, it took me hours to get back to sleep. I was so rattled by that. I mean, you talk about a rude awakening. It was just a rude awakening. I had just never, my life had been uh, dead asleep and just awoke and alive as can be within a second. And that's really what happens here in second. Samuel chapter 12, when Nathan comes to David. Remember, David thought, everything's good. Life is good. I got away with everything. And Nathan comes to him and he says, And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. And he came unto him and he said unto him, Tells David a story. He said, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flock and herds, had all kinds of animals, had all kinds of wealth. But the poor man had nothing save one little hue lamb, which he had bought, nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat, and drank of his own cup, and lay in his bosom, and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that he was come unto him. In other words, he, they needed a meal. So what did he do? He didn't take one out of his own flock. He went and he took it from the poor man. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that has done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. So David tells, uh, Nathan tells the story to David. 
And after he tells the story of this rich man who had everything in the world and who took the one possession of this poor man away, David is mad. He is livid. He said, this man should restore to this poor man's family four times. And not only that, but this man should die. This is terrible what this man did. I can't believe it. I'm sure David said to Nathan, is this man, who is this man, Nathan? Who is he? I want to know. Verse 7, Nathan says to David, and Nathan said to David, thou art the man. You could only imagine David's reaction. All the things that he had been hiding had now come to light. The guilt that had reigned over him. And David immediately snapped into focus. He had 20-20 vision at this time. You know, sometimes when we see ourselves in the mirror and in our lives when we aren't what we should be, we look in that mirror and we don't quite recognize the person that's in the mirror. David didn't recognize the person that was in the mirror because that wasn't the person that God had redeemed. That wasn't the person that was the man after God's own heart. That wasn't the person who was the king of Israel. He didn't recognize that person that had done those things. What he saw wasn't him. And in verse 8, it continues. And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if thou had been too little, I would have moreover given thee such and such things. David, I gave you everything. God gave you everything ever imagined for Wherefore hast thou despised the commandments of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword, the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and thou hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and I will give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. For thou, what thou did in secret, I will do this thing before all of Israel and before the son. David is now in the light. And the rest of this chapter goes on to talk about David's remorse and some of the things that happened. Psalms 51 gives a narrative that David writes of how miserable he was, how guilty he was after all these things happened. Heartache would follow David. We know there was a lot of killing and a lot of violence in his family. The first child... With Bathsheba dies, but God is a forgiving God and a redeeming God. And the, and the next child they have is named Solomon, a man who would rebuild the temple of Israel, who would restore a lot of things. God still allowed good to come out of that situation. Well, you say, how do we adjust our focus? Boy, I don't, I don't want to go down the same path David had to and have a, have a fire alarm go off in the middle of the night. How do we adjust our focus? We've got to wake up to God. 
So many Christians are spiritually asleep. They're not communicating with God. They're not in his word. They're not constantly refocusing their life so they don't get so out of whack that it takes a fire alarm to get them back into focus. How do we wake up? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6. Paul's talking about looking and being alert for the second coming of Christ. And in verse 6, he says, Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. We have to recognize that times we fall asleep spiritually. And we have to wake up. We have to evaluate ourselves. We have to make sure that we're constantly refocusing to what we should be. Better that than the alternative. I want to close with a story. It happened actually last night. So my, my wife gets a lot of uh, kidney stones from her blood disorder. And so a couple times a year, she has to get them taken care of. And yesterday she realized... Oh, I got a kidney stone. And if you ever had one of those, they are painful. And so it was so painful that uh, took her into emergency last night, and they were able to give her a little bit of relief. And, and thank goodness the doctor's coming in, actually be running right after this uh, over to the hospital, and doctor's going to be able to, to do the surgery and take care of that. And as we were in the room, one of the nurses came in and said, I got to do a CT scan, see where all the stone is and everything. Uh, step out of the room. So I walked out of the room, and as I walked out of the room, right across the hallway, I noticed there was a police officer and hospital staff, and they weren't letting anybody in the room except for the nurse and the doctor. And as I stood there, I could hear the nurse talking to the lady, and as I, I looked in, this lady was probably in her 30s, and she had all kinds of trauma on her face and head bruised and bloody, just horrible. And the nurse asked her, she said, well, when's the last time you used drugs? And the lady said, today. And she said, I want to ask you about your injuries. The, the one, just a huge bruise in the side of her head. She said, how did that happen? And she said, my boyfriend took a blunt object and hit me over the head with it today. And she said, how about the other side, the other bruise? She said, well, that's when I fell. After he hit me, I hit a table, and I bruised that side. And the nurse said, she said, I noticed there's some blood, dried blood in the back of your hair. Did that happen when you had fallen? She said, no, that, that's a separate thing. That happened yesterday. And I stood out there, and it just broke my heart. I'm thinking, here's a lady that has a lifetime in front of her that's going through all of this sorrow. And I don't know if she knew the Lord or not. But as I stood there, I, I just thought to myself, at some point in her life, drugs came into her life and her focus started to go off. At some point in her life, that boyfriend came into her life and took her focus completely off. And that boyfriend and those drugs, it led her down the wrong direction. It led her to the wrong place. It led her to that hospital bed alone. 
Maybe today your life is out of focus and you don't know what to do. Well, I want to tell you there's a God in heaven that loves you. There's a God in heaven that will forgive you, that will help you, that can bring your life back into the focus of his purpose for your life. And he's the only one that can get you to where you need to be. Let's pray. Maybe today you have never met the Savior. You have never met the person that can love you and forgive you and bring your life into a, a focus to where you can see your true purpose. If that's you today, we're going to sing a song and have an invitation. The invitation is simple. We invite you to come forward to pray a simple prayer to ask Jesus Christ into your life to be the Lord and Savior of your life, to help you when those times get rough, to help keep your life in balance, to help keep your life in focus. We invite you to come here in a moment. Lord, we thank you, God, for the promises of your word. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that even as we see a great man like King David, Lord, he messed up just like all of us mess up. But God, you still loved him. You still gave him a purpose. You allowed him to come back into your fold. You allowed him to come back to a place in his life to where, Lord, he could still fulfill your will and your purpose. Lord, we give you the praise now. If there's anyone here, Lord, who's never accepted you, Lord, may today be the day of their salvation. In your precious name. I hope Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has spoke to you today through his word. You know, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face in life, I want you to know that through the one, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross of Calvary, he shed his perfect blood for you and for me. And if you pray right now and ask Jesus into your heart, the message that you heard today, why God is speaking to you, I want you to know that you can have hope. And all you have to do is pray with me right now. Don't try and figure it out. The Lord says by faith, we accept Jesus as our Savior and you'll have hope for eternity. You say, Dallas, will you help me? What do I have to do? Well, let me share with you a verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life if you're willing to believe that God sent his son to die on the cross for you, just pray this prayer with me right now. And you can have heaven as your home. Jesus will forgive you for anything you've done in this life. And you can have hope from this day forward. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me a sinner. I believe that you're God's son and you came and lived a perfect life and you died on the cross, and you shed your perfect blood for all of my sin. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for all of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And from this day forward, help me to live by your resurrection power. 
in Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, we want to hear from you. Contact us through our website, City Church AC, or you can get at our church app through any of the um, streaming services, and we want you to know that we'll contact you. And from this day forward, no matter what you face, you'll always have hope, knowing that Jesus is your Savior, and he'll come through in your life. Thank you for being with us today.